friends, I am so excited to bring you today's podcast. This has been something that has been not on my bucket list because I don't actually really create those, but I would say this has been an interview I've wanted to do for a while because this person has made such an impact on my content entrepreneurial journey. So in today's final episode of the story series, I'm interviewing Joe Polizzi. I have told the story on the podcast a couple of times, but I'll share it as a refresher here. I first met Joe when I went to Social Media Marketing World. And when I say met, let's say loosely, I shook his hand in the hallway. But he shared in his session a lot about really what it took to use the content marketing of your business to make sales and build a community. And that meant that you were going to have to differentiate and you were also going to have to spend at least 18 months investing. And right after that session, I share the story of what happened at the end and how I started this podcast. But it was such a great thing for me to hear so early on in my business because it changed the trajectory of where I was going. As a young entrepreneur, as an accidental entrepreneur, it was exactly what I needed to hear. Fast forward all these years, I had kind of stopped following the story of Joe and what he had done. And it came into my sphere again when somebody suggested his Content Inc. podcast, which is five minutes every Monday. And I started listening to that. And I was like, oh, now I remember why I like listening to this guy. And then I read his book and I spoke at his conference, Creator Economy Expo, this last May in Cleveland. It was a really cool experience to see all these content entrepreneurs in one room and talking about the current issues that are facing those who are doing content marketing. So it is with pure joy and delight that I get to share this interview with you. But first, before we do dive into this episode, I want to let you know that we at Simple Pin Media are very passionate about not only Pinterest education, but Pinterest services. For 10 years almost, we have been investing in businesses to help them leverage Pinterest in the best way, the right way, and the most effective way. Our team spends hours a day looking at analytics, looking at tactics, looking at all the different things that we can do to help businesses get lift from this powerful platform. If your business is in a position that you're ready to outsource, we would love to work for with you. Sign up for a discovery call. It's in the link below in your podcast app. Also, I will make sure to link to Joe's book, his podcast, and any of the other things that he mentions during this call. So... Thank you so much for listening to this episode with me. Go for a walk, put your AirPods in in the kitchen, whatever it is. This hopefully is an inspiring episode for you on your content marketing journey. You're listening to the Simple Pen Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Joe, welcome to the Simple Pin Podcast. Kate, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm so thrilled because as I said in the intro, the first time I met you was at Social Media Marketing World. When you told the story, you were, it was a, my first session there, but you told the story of the chicken podcast guy. And <laughs> the it, chicken whisperer. Yeah, it like <laughs> stuck with me forever. And I was like, and that was right on the cusp of me starting a podcast. And I was like, if this guy can do a podcast about chickens, I can do a podcast That's about right. Pinterest. 
That's which, like, right. Blew my mind. So well, it's such an that. important. I mean, that's a great case study because, and that's honestly not to just take it off the rails right from the start, but that's where so many people lose it is because that is such a unique and a differentiated topic. It's talking about backyard chicken feeding and how you take care of, uh, you know, whatever your chickens are in your backyard of wherever you might live. And like, wow, that is a very unique podcast. And most podcasts that are out there are the same, same, same. Yeah. Like you pick a topic that, oh, there's a, there's 10 of them. There's 20 of them. <laughs> no, you, you don't want to do that. Today, you actually want to be very, we call it the tilt. You want to find that differentiated angle where you can step out from all the rest of that content clutter. And that's a that's a great example. So I'm glad you're following that one. Yeah. And I think the other great piece of advice that you shared in that too, which I think in the online world that I've kind of circulated in, you don't hear this often, but it was that investment of 18 months. Like stop expecting to make money immediately, but really like invest in your content for at least 18 months. And that I also took to heart because I think there's these, you know, how to make... $10,000 in like five days or less kind of catchy lines out there. And you start to think like, is this true? Can I do it in 10 days or less? And I think yours was such a grounding moment to say, it's going to take time. Like, don't expect right out of the gate to make money or to go to people and say, okay, buy this from me. But they don't know me. They don't know anything about me. That's right. Well, but before I time. got involved with, um, with just content creators, what I call content entrepreneurs. I mean, as you know, I grew up in content marketing. We were working with multi-billion dollar brands and their marketing division, and they're really trying to build an audience. And you'd go in with them and they would, they would basically say, oh, okay, we're going to do a nine month campaign around this. And it's going to be a podcast and a webinar series, and we're going to have a web portal or whatever. And I would stop them. And I'm like, nine months? I was like, if you're just going to plan on doing this for nine months, don't do it. Like, don't do it at all. Like, just go interrupt people. Go buy advertising. You'll get way more results than just saying, oh, I'm going to commit to building an audience for nine months. I'm like, <laughs> you're just getting started. Right. You're probably at that point just figuring out what your story is and who, what your audience's pain points are. So so don't don't bother with it. So even like 18 months, That I mean, that's we, we've done a bunch of research at the tilt and we found that that's sort of the number where you get to break even if you're a content creator. But that's the minimum number, in my opinion. Like when I talk to somebody that wants to go into this and they want to leave their corporate job and be a content entrepreneur full time, I basically say, you got to peel back. You got to get your expenses down to the lowest possible because you need to create as much of um, an on-ramp as you can for your success. Because I mean, for let's say when we started Content Marketing Institute and launched that in 2007 or what became CMI, I didn't know until probably the end of 2010 that we were going to make it. So it was about three solid years to making that a go. And a lot of people don't realize it because they just see, oh, it's been, it's very successful. Or they say, oh, that didn't take very much. I'm like, okay, right. you don't know the, the nights that I was Huddled in the corner, sucking my <laughs> thumb, crying. Yes. Amongst the recession, right? Like, might oh, I add? That was really yeah. hard times. Oh, it's well, it's terrible going through it. Hindsight is it's great because everyone sort of battens down the hatches and you have an opportunity as a content creator to make, make a lot more waves because everybody pulls back on expenses. So going through it, like, yeah, when we came out of it in 2010, it was great. It was boom times. But seven, eight, nine. 
Uh, that was scary is what my wife called the bologna and ramen noodle Ugh. years. Yeah, we were on food stamps we through those yeah. years. It was like, yeah. that's all you did to survive. And I talked with other friends. They're like, yeah, you were on food stamps too. I'm like, yeah, I was. Like, we all knew what the inside of a DHS office looked like, <laughs> which, you know, makes you, you, it creates greater empathy, right? Like you look back on those hard times and you're like, oh, I get it. Like, I understand it like nobody else does. And same for you. Like, you understand these like grinded out times and that it's not overnight. I mean, I'm at 10 years in my business and I thought about that the other day. It's like, why do I finally feel like I am, I am comfortable in my own shoes and it took 10 yeah. years. That's crazy. And, and more people need to know that from what you're saying and from what I'm saying, because, because it's, in my opinion, it's the greatest thing ever that we can basically with a smartphone can go out and start a business. We don't need an office. We don't need any overhead at all. We don't even need employees. I mean, you could do, depending on what your business is, you can start by yourself and really make an impact. But to build an audience that's significant enough for you to monetize takes a good chunk of time. So you have to just know that going in. And I wish somebody, and that's one of the reasons why I wrote Content Inc. was to tell people, yeah, look at great. We were successful. We had a fantastic exit. Everything worked out great. But there were multiple times where I was ready to hang it up. I mean, I remember it was, I think I talk about it in the book at the end of September of 2009, you know, we'd lost, we, I had a little product going, we lost our biggest client. I didn't know what to do. And I was getting the LinkedIn uh, in shape to, to look, start looking for another job. And, and then luckily my wife told me, said, she said, look at, are you giving up? Are you going to like two and a half years? We're going to give up. And I'm like, yes, it's been two and a half years. I think I put the family through enough stress to now go out and, and provide for the family with salary and benefits. And she's like, you're going to be unhappy the rest of your life. You got it. So we, you know, maxed out the credit cards and did what we had to do. And it wasn't six months later that we, that we started to hit home runs and who knew it was, it's so good. So I tell people, it's like, you never know. Like today could be the worst day of your content entrepreneurial career, but tomorrow could be amazing. Right. And that's why, that's why we're all bipolar. I know, right? Well, okay. So I want to camp on this because I think for my audience is going to be really important because you were kind of the first person that I heard talk a lot about this idea of content marketing instead of using the term blogging and then creator instead of the term blogger. So talk to me a little bit about your intentionality of choosing content marketing creator and kind of what your idea behind that was. So when I, st I started, oh, it's hard, almost 25 years ago, I started doing this in publishing and I worked at a business to business publishing company called Pent Media. And my role was to go out and sell the Microsofts and the Autodesk and other big business to business companies, custom content solutions, which at the time were called custom content, custom media or custom publishing, all very boring terms. And I would go into VPs of marketing and chief marketing officers, and I would talk to them about this idea of custom publishing. Well, when you go into one of these meetings and you start talking about custom publishing, they're already sleeping. Like they're already bored with this conversation. And I'm like, how do I get them to be excited about this? Because I believe with social media coming on, this is so, so take it back to 2002, 2003, 2004. So this is right when Google's getting going. This is right before, before, you know, this is when Facebook was just coming out to the public. And I believed that every organization needed 
every innovative organization needed some kind of content strategy because they were going to have to communicate directly. And I and the the terms for this industry were antiquated. And I started to go into these uh, meetings and I and I basically would say, okay, well, what about branded content? What about branded journalism? And what about content marketing? And content marketing was the term that got the CMO to sit up a little bit because marketers are, I was a marketer. I am a marketer. We're simple people. Uh, we, when somebody says marketing, we kind of perk up. It's like, oh, marketing, that's for me. And if you look at all the other industries, you look at direct marketing, search engine marketing, social media market, everything's something marketing. And I'm like, well, this needs to be the same thing in order to get attention from these people. So I started calling it content marketing and I was, I wasn't the first to use the term, but I was, we were probably the first to try to popularize the term. Like this was a thing. And I said, this is really going to be a thing. So when, when I went out and I left corporate environment to start what became Content Marketing Institute, I said, okay, I really feel this is going to be the term. That's going to be our differentiation area. We're going to differentiate around this term. And if I, we put enough behind it and I get, the, get a community behind it, maybe we can make something of this. So I started in 2007 and put it out there. Basically, if you typed it into Google, Google Trends, content marketing wouldn't even come up. Like it wouldn't even register as a term. But if you look at it now and you go back, you'll see that, oh, it's just a blip in 2007, a little bit more in eight, a little bit more in nine. Well, by 11 and 12, it became the dominant term because of all the work that us and a lot of other people were doing. But I remember like in 2008, I talked to Brian Clark over a copy blogger. He didn't like the term, but he said, maybe it's the best one going. And he got behind it. So that when he got behind it, then a couple other people got behind it. And now- you know, we sold, my wife and I own that. We sold it in, in 2016. But if you type in content marketing, Content Marketing Institute is all over the first 50 results. First, fifth, seventh, whatever the case is. And so we grew really, really fast once that became popular. So going back to your initial question, I was like, I've got no money, no resources at all. I've got no name in the industry. How do I differentiate? And I said, I think there's an opportunity because nobody's calling this thing a thing. I think it has to be named. And so we said, I think content marketing is the name. So we took a little bit of a bet. We put a lot of content behind it. We did the content marketing awards. We did the content marketing top blogs. And to your, you know, to your point about blogging, content marketing is not just blogging. Blogging is just one way to build an audience. You can have newsletters, you can have a podcast, you can have a webinar series, you can have in-person events, you can do all the things. So it's not, blogging is just one way to get there. And even though it probably started through blogging, I mean, we became, we built our audience at the CMI initially through a blog, but there's many ways to reach your audience and to grow an audience uh, as media companies have shown since the dawn of time. So that was the reason why. And I still love the strategy of sort of naming what the industry topic is going to be or naming your category. And I think it still can work depending on what industry you're in. Yeah, I can see that too. And I think one of the things, so this is the first thing I thought of when you were talking about creating a new name, kind of creating this differentiating thing is what I hear today, even from people, when you bring up the word creating content, whether it's blogging or you know video or whatever it is, I find especially people who are in the e-commerce space really push back at that. They're like, I don't have time. 
what other kind of hurdles do you hear from people when you bring this up about creating content and them kind of warming up, getting to know you? Like, how do you overcome that with somebody who's like, I can't do it? Well, it's look at you can create a business. You can have a successful business without creating content. It is possible to do. Like I have seen organizations say, you know, I'm going to advertise. I'm going to use word of mouth referrals. Uh, I'm going to be very savvy about my pricing and my product structure. And some, some, somehow you get a good kickstart and you can be successful. That's great. There's no problems with that. But I really believe if you want to be one of the top companies in your industry or an individual or thought leader, you have to stand for something and people will look in, you know, how, how, how do you have word of mouth today? You have it because somebody shares a piece of your content, most likely 99% of the time. Somebody's sharing your podcast, my podcast, my blog post, our research project, uh, my speech that I gave at some event, a TED talk, whatever it is. And those are all strategic forms of content that people create. I believe that if any business today, that's just part of doing business today. It is marketing. I mean, if you're if you sit down and you look at somebody's marketing plan today, 90% of it has to do with content creation or distribution for, for most companies. Uh, even if you look at, I mean, when I started, you know, branching out in 07, 08, I did some work in the HVAC industry and a lot of the heating and air conditioning companies are trying to figure out how can we differentiate ourselves online with helpful content about an HVAC system? I mean, this is, it's, you know, everybody's asking this type of question, whether, you know, I came from the funeral industry and I know a lot of funeral homes are trying to do the same thing. I mean, oh, what do I do when a loved one dies and what are all the things that I have to think about specific to this area? So the, the challenge is then everybody's starting to do this content. How do you differentiate? What, and that's where we got to the beginning of our conversation is I think you have to do it, but you have to think a little bit different. You're just not going to go out and say, I'm going to answer all these questions exactly like everyone else does. You have a brand, you differentiate in some way. So roll with that, run with that. You know, maybe, maybe it was a positive thing in the eighties and nineties to sort of not make waves and, and be like everyone else today. You, you get incentivized to truly be different, to talk differently, to think differently, to communicate with your content differently. And you don't want, as Anne Hanley says all the time, you don't want your content to be for everyone because if your content is for everyone, it's for no one. So figure out who's that, what's that sweet spot of your audience that you really want to impact? What's, what's the pain points that keep them up at night and deliver to that? And then just, I would just end with this. You don't have to create content in every channel. Like pick one. And that's what I would say. Absolutely. Like do one, just do one thing really well. Maybe your thing is a podcast. Maybe it's a regular blog series. Maybe it's an in, a weekly infographic. Maybe you're just going to say, hey, I'm going to be really great on LinkedIn. And I'm going to post Monday through Friday with something on LinkedIn to my audience or Pinterest or what, you know, whatever it is. Do that and do that well. And that would be my advice to anyone because the worst thing you could do is say, oh, I got the content creation bug. I'm going to do five. I'm going to do TikTok and, and Twitter or X or and whatever threads. it's called now and threads. <laughs> I'm going to do all the things. Yes. Well, we've seen the research for those companies that do all the things. They make literally no impact. It's better to do nothing. You want to take all the things like if you're creating content on 10 different channels, it's best to just get rid of seven of those. And just yes. Focus on one or two. 
Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. It's like that is a number one path to burnout is trying to do all the things, be in all the places, create for all the places. I have felt that too as well. And I'm like, I'm I'm not. I definitely I grabbed my username on threads, but I haven't opened it since. I'm like, jump ship on that right now. Okay. So back to 2016, you sell Content Marketing Institute, which... I imagine feels like a huge accomplishment having grown into what it is and kind of disrupted the industry. What's after 2016? Well, I uh, stayed on for a couple of years. And then in 18, I took a full year sabbatical. And if you could, <laughs> if anyone could do that, I highly recommend it. One of the greatest years of my life. The first 30 days, I did an electronics free month. I oh. did no phone, no social, nothing. Wow. And it was the first week was really itchy. Because I was, you know, still detoxing. Yeah, exactly. Because I'm on social media all the time, whatever. But that was amazing because I, we, you know, we went outside a lot. We, we just figured. I, I basically opened the door and said, "Wow, look at the world! Like there's, there's things going on. This is fantastic." So I took that whole year off, and by the end of the that year, I'd always run wanted to write um, a fiction book. And I started working on my first novel and it became The Will to Die, which was released at the end of 2019 and and into 20, like right before the pandemic, uh, released my first uh, fiction novel, which I'm working on the second one right now. And um, and then this would have never happened if it wasn't for the pandemic. But I got really into this idea of content entrepreneurship or content creators and the business model behind it. I started talking to a bunch of people that wanted to get into this area, but didn't know what it took. A lot of the stuff we've been talking about on this podcast. And I thought there were a lot of, Oh, things that needed to be clarified in the industry about how long it takes and how much upfront money and your focus and your tilt and all those things. And so we, from that, we created a like a little mini media company called The Tilt, which is now a newsletter for 26,000, what I call content entrepreneurs, content creators who want, they want this to be their full-time thing. And then as you know, we launched Creator Economy Expo in 2022, and we're going to have our third annual CEX in 2024. And <laughs> I promised my wife I would not start any more businesses after that. So this is my my third and final. Okay, your final farewell. My final farewell. I mean, I'm I'm going to keep. I love to speak. I love to write. I will continue to write. I will continue to. I've written a book every other year since 2008. Uh, so I've got eight books out there. I will continue to write fiction and nonfiction books uh, wherever I think that I can be helpful. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep doing that. But the I, I've done the create the business organization and try to scale that up and go ahead and and exit, have a proper exit. And I love doing those things, but I think I've done that enough. I I think I'm good. Yes, you've definitely definitely put in your time for sure. Well, and you said something that made me think of this is you started this business because you saw some things in the industry that... I don't I don't want to put words in your mouth, but let's say like we all have these things about the industry that we're in and we see other people talking about it and we kind of push back against it because we think, man, that doesn't feel right or it feels like a headline or it feels like these things that get people into other people's, you know, ecosystem or to buy a course. I guess for you, like what has been the thing that you've seen in the content entrepreneur space that you're like, man, I kind of wish this narrative would go away forever. Or maybe you don't have anything. No, I do. And there's a couple. I mean, I think we've talked about some of it and I don't want to keep 
pounding on it, but the ease of this business model, this business model is not easy. This is very, very challenging. It is a lot of work to build an audience over time. So that one I want to get out there and I keep telling people like, you know, set up your, set up your business so that you can make it. So you can make the amount of runway and do that. But the one thing that maybe one of the reasons why we started the tilt was this reliance on social media channels only. I've got no problem with being on social media. As you know, I, I'm, I'm, I was a pretty heavy user on Twitter. I am a very heavy user on LinkedIn right now. I've tested out threads like you have. But when I see somebody that has their entire content entrepreneur business on, let's say, TikTok or on uh, or on Twitter or like go back to Google Plus, I knew a lot of create or Vine. Yes. yes. And I've seen that over and over again. And I'm like, oh, it's OK if you believe that your starting point needs to be somebody else's site. When I say somebody else's, I mean some other social media platform that you can't control. That's totally fine. That might be a great way to build initial audience, but you have to have a strategy to move that audience off of rented land to something you can control. And that's probably looks like a private community or an email newsletter right now is what it looks like. And then I've been dabbling, as you know, into, uh, you know, NFTs and tokens and things. And we're not there yet for that business model, but that is an up and coming thing. There was somebody may say I can have direct connection with an audience that way. But those are the types of things that I wanted to warn people about because I've seen too many really successful creators lose their entire businesses because somebody else at a private company makes a decision and that's their prerogative to do that. So I'm like, shame on you if you spent three or four years building up your TikTok channel and you got a million followers and that's all you've got. Right. Yeah. And it's scary, right? Like, and I think you never know what these platforms are going to do. You never know what the government is going to do to these platforms. And you're beholden to that. And then it's gone in a moment, right? And you can't really get it back because it's it's gone the way. Yeah. You know, and so, yeah, let's learn from the past. That's why I throw out the things like Google+. Plus. I remember... I worked at the time, I was very close to the marketing person that had over a million followers uh, for a multi-billion dollar company. And they'd really worked on this photography Google Plus site that was really starting to reap rewards. And then they got the news that Google Plus was shutting down. And and this person was actively crying in severe depression because it was there one day and the next day was all gone. And that doesn't have to happen, but it continues to happen. And like you said, you know, what if the government comes in and says, oh, TikTok, yeah. we're, we're going to we're going to ban all the apps. They work with Apple and Google and they say no more, no more TikTok. They can absolutely do that. And and that's been talked about. And not that I'm a proponent of that, but we have to prepare as, as entrepreneurs for that possibility. Yeah. So true. I'm sure every those who listening who have something on TikTok, they always get kind of itchy, like, oh my gosh. But I think that's a call to action to say, move them to an email newsletter, move them to a space where you can have a direct connection with them that you own and nobody else does, which is always that great pathway. Okay. So you, you promised your wife you wouldn't start any more businesses. So then what does that look like for Joe and Pam, your wife, over the next couple of years then? So, yeah, it's funny. You and I were talking before the program. And as this will be released, the, you know, just recently, and um, we can talk about it now, you know, I just sold the Tilt and Creator Economy Expo to our very good partner, Lulu. 
uh, Lulu Press was a self-publishing, yeah, self-publishing group with there. We were very much aligned. Uh, we've been talking about this idea for a long time. So I'm, I'm at, I'm not going anywhere. I'm staying on. I will still program Creator Economy Expo. I'll still speak there. I'm going to still do my blogs and my newsletters and my podcasts and all those things. But um, Lulu is going to take control of that business. And I couldn't be more happy for our team and for everything that goes on. So that's my third, <laughs> my third exit wow. of a business. It was, uh, you know, if you're counting, I had a business called Social Tract in, in 2007 that we sold. Uh, CMI was sold in 2016. And now the Tilton CEX sold in, in 2023. And I have indeed promised her that I won't start anything else that actually has employees. Like she says, you get, he says, she's all for projects. If I want to do a project somewhere, if I want to write a book and I want to do, I want to go traveling somewhere, whatever, no problem. But, but I think we're done with the let's set up and scale an organization. Um, but it's all worked out. It's all worked out really well. I'm super excited about the new partnership with, with Lulu and, uh, and surprising because, I, I set, you know, we, we talked a little bit about exit planning before the podcast. And when we started this business, I started thinking about launching this business in 2020. I was always like, okay, I'm going to start this. And, and I would like to have an exit in three years. And this exit is actually less than two and a half years from, from when we started. And I'm, I couldn't be, couldn't be more thrilled about it. Yeah. And I'll say I love Lulu. We use them too for printing of our digital planner. And it's been interesting, the paths that I've crossed with them at creator events and then seeing them just recently at CEX and just feel like they feel so approachable. It feels this is a perfect match, right? Between the tilt and Lulu. Like it just, when you said it, I was like, Oh, that makes sense. That's perfect. Yeah. It it is kind of funny the way it works out because at the tilt, we've always been strong proponents of having books as part of the revenue mix for a creator model. Uh, And it's been in every book that I've talked about where I talk about the importance of publishing a book, not only to get your name out there and to build your expertise, but to actually drive revenue. And I, what I also love about them is their, their focus on the creator, keeping their audience data, which instead of, they say, Hey, instead of giving it all to Amazon, why don't you keep most of the money and all that company customer data for yourself? And of course that's, that's all what Lulu is about. And they believe that their authors need to understand the full idea of what it is to be a content entrepreneur, that it's not just about books, that it's about all these other revenue options and diversification of revenue is really, really important. When we talked about, you know, focusing on one or two channels, that's really important, like to build your audience, but revenue diversification is really important where you might have six, seven, eight different ways you drive revenue from those one or two channels. So yeah, it's they couldn't be couldn't be nicer people. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with them. And congratulations, that's huge to have three exits. We had Alexis Grant, as you know, from they got acquired on our last podcast episode, and she talked about basically exits being approachable for people. That it's not this thing that we hear in the news of like Twitter being sold or whatever. It it can be for any business owner to be able to have an exit, and it doesn't always have to be millions of dollars. It can be no, it, anything. It, it could be anything. And that's what's great because, I mean, if you're, if you subscribe to some of these um, newsletters that will tell you, oh, this content site was sold and this newsletter was sold, you realize that some of these deals are $100,000 and some of these deals are many, many millions of dollars, but there's all kinds in between. And when I, when I tell entrepreneurs that are looking to do this, I'm like, start very small. Just start writing down a list of 
who might be interested in buying your organization. And what's great today is when I, when I first started, it was always a media company. Like, cause when, if you're a content creator and you build an event or you build a newsletter or a content website in general, for the last 20 years, you've been looking at other media sites that have a media business model. If you were an agency, as you know, you would always look for other agencies to purchase that. Well, today you can have anybody purchase yeah. it. As you said, I mean, we're having a book publisher buying our media company. Um, you had HubSpot buy the newsletter, The Hustle, a marketing automation company buying a media company of the, of the hustle. Um, so all these things are happening where you have product companies which want to build their own audiences and want to do the same things that we're doing as content creators, but maybe haven't focused on it from a time standpoint, or they say, hey, Instead of us putting all our resources on launching this thing, why don't we just go out and buy that podcast right? or or buy that YouTube site or whatever? And those things are happening. You're going to see a lot of this happen in the next couple of years. So that's where I'll tell somebody, just start writing down the names of those companies, media sites and blogging sites and podcast sites and, and, and sp- sponsors of your stuff. Actually, I believe today your best opportunity is your sponsors because they have marketing dollars that they can spend on this. And if you do the math on a lot of this stuff, it makes a lot of sense for them to invest. Um, you know, when we, when we did the math on the HubSpot deal, they spent something like 6% of their annual sales or annual sales and marketing budget on buying the hustle. Wow. 6%. Only six? Yeah. So if, you th- <laughs> so if you think about that, you're like, it's a drop in the bucket for some of these companies to right. do this. Yeah. And a lot, I think a lot of content creators and agencies don't are, don't realize that. Well, and the idea of diversification, like if I can have, it's not just going down this one lane that you're in, like I'm only going to focus on agencies, but they're thinking, I want to have this far reaching wide net that I get to cast. And then I get to potentially have these great investments that are now bringing money for the parent company. And individuals think like that all the time. We're thinking of investing in houses or stocks or whatever. It's like, why wouldn't big companies think the same way? And then end up wanting to purchase different types of companies. And the and the great part is they're now finally. I mean, I'm. <laughs> this is back. I think in 2011, 2012, Robert Rose, who we have a podcast called This Old Marketing that we've had for ten years, and Robert Rose and I have worked together a long time, and we were in Singapore doing a workshop, and we talked to the chief marketing officer of one of the largest. Uh, consumer product goods companies in the world over there. And they were talking about launching all these content sites in these different markets. And we said, this is great. We love this plan. We'd love to help you with it. But have you thought about just purchasing the companies and and, and getting a running start? And, and, they ne- and the guy never thought of it. He's like, really? I can do that? I'm like, yeah, you can absolutely do it. You can save yourself three, four years of time. You already have the cash on the sidelines. And some of these deals you can get pretty reasonably depending on what the owner wants. I mean, again, the entrepreneurs listening to this, it, what do you want? Do you want an exit where maybe you have uh, you get a, a influencer deal where they're paying you X thousands of dollars a month for the next two years in exchange for your podcast? Or do you want an out where you're done? I mean, you can have the flexibility you want. You just have to set the terms and then go find the companies that are willing to work with you on those. Right. The, you're in the driver's seat instead of somebody else being in the driver's seat, which I think is what 
as especially as people, even myself who started as kind of an accidental entrepreneur, you don't hear that language a lot. It still, again, feels out of reach. But when you bring it back to, oh, I have control, I own this business, and I can look for what I want out there and drive towards it. It doesn't have to be somebody else telling me how to do it. And I love, I love that. I've always loved that about your message. And it's been you know, I'm so thrilled to be able to do this podcast too with you and kind of to have been able to speak at your conference because I think that's it all started because you had this impact on me in this session and I took that into my business and kind of carried it through. And I just, I, well, one, I appreciate that. But two, I want to call out something that I saw that I think is really cool. And I'm curious if you think this is like your, You know, people call it superpower, but I don't know the right word for it. But one of the really cool things that I saw in your community, having never been a part of it, is this idea of networking. Like we're all in this together. And I'm wondering for you, is that something you feel like you're naturally good at is networking and connecting? Because I think I saw that in you kind of connecting people, you know, or connecting me with other people or however it worked. But I'm just curious. Is that something you feel like, like, that's my jam. I love that kind of thing. I did. No, I do absolutely love it. I, um, I don't do any formal mentorship. Like I'll have somebody say, Hey, can you mentor me for the next year and do it? And I said, I do not do that. But if you have a question or you want to get on a 10 minute phone call and review something, I'm absolutely available to do that. Or if you need an introduction to somebody, I'm absolutely, I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm an elder statesman now in this industry. <laughs> I've literally been doing this for, you know, 25 years. That's a pretty long time when it comes to content creation. Uh, you know, before they even called it a blog, I was getting this thing going. I remember when the internet wasn't a thing. So um, those, so I, I have an advantage from that standpoint. I've met a lot of people over the years. I've been helped by a lot of people. I mean, you're, you, you were, Nice enough to, we're going through my successes, but I've had a lot of failures. And the reason why I made it this far was because somebody made a call. Somebody did an introduction on my behalf. I met somebody in an event and they said, Hey, Joe, do you ever met this person? And something was started there. And I like people. I mean, I like doing that if I can be helpful in that way. So like at Creator Economy Expo, I'll just stand around the networking hall and just see if somebody somebody needs to meet somebody else. And that's what I love. That That's a lot of people don't realize this about events. And I've been in the event business for a long, long time. And education and the conference part is very important. And I take it really seriously. But that's not why most people go to events. They mostly go to meet the person, to meet the company. It's all about networking. And so, um, yeah, that's I mean, I don't know if I'm great at networking. I don't know how comfortable I am with it, but I feel like I have to do that because I guess it's my one way to give give back a little bit because I, I, I do know a lot of people. And then, I mean, you know, like you spoke and I had 35 of my friends speak <laughs> at the event. Uh, I've known these people for a long time. I've known them before they started their businesses. And then they decided to go out on their own and I've seen them go through the heartache and see them become this great success. And that's very exciting for me. And I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Can you speak about this? And then they can share their expertise as well. Yeah, kind of like a super connector, like a really uh, a great way of bringing all the people together that have made an impact on your life and then having that impact go to their life. And kind of that's what I felt when I was there is like, oh, this feels like a group of people 
who all have really great gifts, talents, strengths, whatever. And then they're coming together and they're sharing it with each other. And they're going to go out and all these relationships are now formed. And it's going to get even bigger and bigger in this content entrepreneurship world. It was pretty cool to see. And I think, you know, that's really in a testament to you and what you've created within that community. Well, thank you so much. But it's it's ne- I think it's necessary for any industry, especially this one, because as you know, I mean, you started your thing, would you say about 10 years ago? Um, it's a very lonely start because uh, you feel like you don't know what you're doing. We all, we all don't know what we're doing, right? We're all just kind of figuring this thing out as we go. But at least if you know that everyone <laughs> that you have three or four other people that you could figure it out together and maybe a few of them have already made some of the mistakes that you might make. And you could talk about this ahead of time. It's really important and we can save months and many dollars and, and missteps and we can stay in. I mean, that's the goal is to stay in as long as you can. Cause if you stay in, as long as you stayed in, as long as I've stayed in, you, you become a success. And it's, it's the, somebody asked me like, what's the biggest, um, you know, name the biggest key to success in one word. I know besides, you know, taking Warren Buffett and Bill Gates were to focus, I'd probably say grit or persistence would be the two because most people, most content entrepreneurs fail because they give up at some point, like I almost gave up. But if you can stay with it, generally you stay with it long enough, you'll make it. So we got to stick with it together. Fully agree. I was joking with somebody the other day and I said, I think owning a business highlights, it's like parenting, right? It highlights your greatest weaknesses and your greatest strengths all at the same time. And they collide together and you have to figure out just how to do it. And that's kind of what being a business owner is like. Changes year to year. You get pandemics, you get all these different things and you come out the other side, which is, you know, a great thing. So, okay. One last question for you. If you could choose to have dinner with anybody, pastor, present, entrepreneur, business owner, author, who would it be? Oh, that's a, such a tough question. I would answer it a million different ways. For right now, for if I wanted to sit with an author, I would probably sit with Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, and uh, a great, amazing book called Project Hail Mary that is one of my favorite books of all time. But if you're asking me like to choose one in that group, it would be my grandfather who's not with us anymore. Uh, Leo Groff, he was an entrepreneur. He started a funeral home called Groff Funeral Home in Sandusky, Ohio, and made it from nothing into, you know, the leading funeral home in the in the city and in the region. And he was revered and he was the nicest person in the world. And in his last few years of life, I was able to spend some good quality time with him and I would just sit there and soak up all the knowledge and all the stories. And I'd probably give a lot for, for one more shot at a lunch with, with grandpa. Yeah. That's amazing. So great to end on that. Well, Joe, thank you. Where can people go to connect with you, follow your story, see what's next for the tilt. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the tilt.com. If you're a content creator, please sign up for our free newsletter every Tuesday and Friday. You'll get a little note on how to become a, a profitable content entrepreneur. I'm at Joe Polizzi, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I on all the socials, uh, JoePolizzi.com. You can go and get my own personal newsletter. Uh, this old marketing is probably my, the, the, the web or the uh, podcast I would send you to with Robert Rose and I, we talk about the craziness of content creation and media news every, every week. And then, uh, next year we haven't figured out the date yet. Uh, but it, 
it's going to be uh, either May or, or October. We haven't figured it out, but it'll be in Cleveland, Ohio, Creator Economy Expo uh, all over again. I hope you hope we have you back. You did a fantastic job and uh, we're looking forward to bring that that group of special people together again so they can all meet in person and help each other. Yeah, for so. sure. And Content Marketing Inc., you're every Monday. That was oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, Content <laughs> Content Inc. How could I forget? the con- Yeah, Content Inc. podcast. So I got two podcasts, little motivational five-minute podcast, Content Inc. And then Friday morning, we do this old marketing, which is our one hour of shenanigans that we talk about the week that was. So. <laughs> which sometimes we have to talk about that. Like what is, you just have to BS, you know, about those kinds of things sometimes. But I would tell people for sure, pick up, um, start listening to Content Inc. and get the book too as well. I just re- listened to that on audio just recently. And it's it's great. It's a good refresher. Even if you've been in the industry for a long time and you've been doing content, it just gives you new ideas and fresh ways to look at it that don't feel exhausting. So I would highly recommend that. Thank you. I appreciate You're that. You're welcome. And thanks for all that you do. I really appreciate you. So. Thanks so much. I appreciate that. Well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for joining me on the podcast. And hopefully people will hop over read the book, listen to the podcast and connect with you. Love it. Thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it.